Well, I was <clears throat> reflecting with my wife this week that this is going to be one of those sermons that, if it goes well, will only be by the Holy Spirit. I just uh, didn't seem to be able to put things together and prepare as I wanted. Um, and then the providence of God, we had, we had colds this week, and then now, just, uh, just now, I realized I've left all my notes at home. So this morning, this will be as the Lord wills, and we will exalt over a few things together. So let's ask for his help, and we will turn to the word. Heavenly Father, you have a peculiar way of working, and it seems at times you would have us trust and lean on your strength, trust your spirit to bring to our minds what we need in the time when we need it, to rely on you that your name may be made magnificent and wonderful and glorious, and that we and our names may be made small, Lord. So in this, I pray, with my brothers and sisters here this morning, may your name be gloried, glorified and honored. May we be small in our eyes and may you be magnificent. May we look earnestly to the things which are coming because of Christ. And may we with thankful hearts leave this morning having worshipped you in spirit and in truth. We ask this in your name. Amen. So this morning, taking a, a small break from our continuing through the book of Matthew, because the book, the book of Isaiah, particularly chapter 12, has been on my heart in light of our holiday of Thanksgiving and this uh, culturally appropriate time to stir up Thanksgiving in our hearts. So we'll be in Isaiah chapter 12. I wonder if some of you, having come off of a, a season or a time of Thanksgiving, feel at times like I do, that Thanksgiving, you know, ought to be something of, in your heart all year round, and you fail many times to conjure up those attitudes and those thoughts, and then you sit around the table, perhaps with family and friends, and you, you give thanks for one or two things, and you just know it's not adequate for what God has done for you, and at times we can feel quite guilty, maybe even for the thing that we chose to give thanks for and it didn't feel like really what was on our heart and we didn't know how to say it. Thanksgiving is not something that comes easily to weak people like us. Thanksgiving is something that we know God deserves because of who he is, and yet in our flesh it is something that we are slow to give, slow to see all that God has given to us, slow in our hearts to want to give it. Well, this little psalm nested in the first part of the book of Isaiah is a little gem for you if that's where you are today. Because in this psalm, thanksgiving is not merely a command, it is a promise of God that you will give thanks in that day. Let's read this together. Isaiah chapter 12. It says this, You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. 
For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praise to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This psalm is a psalm of praise, and yet it is a prophecy of what will come. Notice it says, you will say in that day. You will say in that day. Our first point this morning is to look at the promise of thanksgiving. And it comes in those three things. Who will give thanks? In what day? And what will be giving thanks for? First, who? Who is this psalm written about? It says you. That's in the singular. You will give thanks. And if you look down at the bottom of our psalm in verse 6, it says this, shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. It's written singularly to one who is an inhabitant of Zion. But to really get the, the context, we need to pick up on a few threads that were coming from the prophet in the previous chapter. So if you will look with me for a moment, we're going to read a few verses before chapter 12. Start with me, then, in verse 15 of chapter 11. This is, uh, this is proclaiming something. Um, this is proclaiming a, uh, something in the future. And we're going to read more of chapter 11 as we get there. But to focus our attention on one thing t- right now, we're going to start in verse 15. And it says, And the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt and will wave his hand over the river with his scorching breath and strike it into seven channels and he will lead people across in sandals. And there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant that remains of his people as there was for Israel when they came up from the land of Egypt. You will say in that day. So who is the you here? The you is this remnant of the people of Israel. The you is those who are led across this highway from Assyria. The you is those for whom the tongue of the Lord dried up the sea. The you is those who were led across the river, who were walk across in sandals. This is the you. You will give thanks in that day. I, note, I mentioned how this you is singular, and yet here he's talking of a people, a group of people. And I want to linger on that for a moment, because when we come to the next verse in chapter 12, it's talking about, I'm sorry, it's still in verse 1, but the next part, it talks about this, your anger's turned away that you might comfort me, and though you were angry with me, you came to bring comfort. The history of this person is one who was under the anger of God, and yet God has come to comfort. This is someone whom God has split, as it were, the seas for and rescued from Egypt. This is one who dwells in Zion. 
This is one who has traveled that highway from Assyria. What's the picture being drawn here? The picture being drawn is as God punished Israel and sent them scattering to the nations abroad, the promise came that they will be gathered in. The remnant of his people from all the nations will be brought and a highway will be made to our God. Think of Isaiah chapter 40. We can even turn there if you will. There's very uh, similar themes to this. We'll notice this this theme um, not only in the comfort that is given, but also in the highway that is drawn to our God. In Isaiah 40, we read starting in verse 1, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The voice of this one crying in the wilderness, of course, is picked up by the prophet uh, John the Baptist as he comes and he proclaims the way of the Lord, the, the repentance and faith that brings us to Christ. And so this remnant is a people drawn from all the surrounding nations. Those who were not a people, but by faith in Christ have become a people. Those who were not formally called by His name, but now are called by His name. In that day, you will give thanks. Brothers and sisters, this is you, O inhabitant of Zion. O heir of glory, as our song sang this morning. This is you if your faith is in Christ Jesus. So this promise is also for you. You will give thanks in that day. But what is the day that is spoken of here? Well, the day is ushered in by the branch, the root of Jesse. Look at the beginning of chapter 11, where it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. A branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. The wean child shall put his hand in the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy. And all my holy mountain For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the people. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand. In that day. Brothers and sisters, there is a day coming where this will be made manifest in full. Where truly, those things which were enemies, the very creation itself will be together. The lion and the lamb the wolf and the goat, the ox and the bear. Those things which were at odds with one another will be brought together. 
But brothers and sisters, this is also a picture of those of us who are high and lifted up, those of us who are low. Some of us are often in a state where we are, are down on ourselves and we need the gospel to lift us up. Others of us are in a state where we often think much of ourselves and we need the law of God to bring us down. And yet, in all of these things, Christ comes to make a highway to our God. And there will be a day coming where these things will be so. The most haughty and the most humble, the rough and the crooked, all will be made righteous and our dwelling place will be with God. And yet, brothers and sisters, this day that we are looking at here is not merely a day in the future. For this day is ushered in or is commenced by the branch, the root of Jesse, by Jesus Christ himself. So while Isaiah looks forward and speaks of this new heaven and new earth and we could connect all those themes, we know that this day is already brought to us and begun by Jesus Christ. Because the root, the branch of Jesse has come. And so brothers and sisters, in that day, you will give thanks. We are in that day, brothers and sisters. We now live in the shadow of the cross where Christ has come and a promise is yours now. You will give thanks. You will give thanks. Something interesting then about thanksgiving is that thanksgiving is not merely something that looks back upon what God has done but it is something that looks forward to what God will do. In all of our thanksgiving, we are giving thanks for that day which has already come and yet will be. We are giving thanks not only to the Creator who has given so much, but to the Redeemer who has bought for us so much in the future. And this song of thanks will be upon our hearts, not because of our own willpower, but because of the sure promise of God. You will give thanks in that day. And for what does it say? It says, You will give thanks, for though you, O Lord, were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. What does the messenger, the root of Jesse, the signal for the people, the highway to God, what does he do? He brings comfort where there was anger and wrath. Jesus is the one who comes to make that highway. We stand in the righteousness of God, and in His law, we are condemned before God. We stand guilty before what He has commanded, and yet, the anger of God is turned away in Christ. The anger of God has turned to comfort in Christ. Now, you might think, how do I individually put myself in this language. Maybe, maybe you are one who does not remember a time where you did not have faith in Christ. You do not remember a time where the, the dark providence of God was over you and you felt the anger of God for sin. And you say, well, how am I to bring this to bear on my life? Because it says, for though you were angry with me, you comfort me. But this, brothers and sisters, is often the time the way in which the Scriptures speak. When we come to be a child of God, an heir of righteousness, 
You are given an identity. You are given a history. You are told who you are. And so, you may look and say, in Christ, I was led through the Red Sea. I was brought by the hand of God out of bondage of sin. You may say, I was one under sin. God was angry with me. Remember the theme of being brought out of your your parents' house, out of your father's house. You are one who has been brought out of Adam and put into Christ. So brothers and sisters, whether you came to faith in Christ before you can remember or when you were old and advanced in years, you may truly say in pure conscience, Lord, you were angry with me because the Lord is angry with sin. Because He is angry at the sin of your history. You were born in sin. In sin, your mother conceived you. And yet, you may also with glad voice say, and yet you comfort me, Lord. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. We will look back in heaven and we will say, God has become my salvation. We can look back even now and we can say, God has become my salvation. He has become my hope. And what does it say in verse 3? With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Verse 3 stands in the middle of this psalm and it's, it's sort of the crescendo of the psalm. If you will, on the front end, we're leading up to it. On the back end, we're coming away from it. On both ends, the language is about what you will say with your mouth, what you will speak, what you will give utterance to. But in this, verse 3, it's about what you will do. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Salvation of God is here pictured like a well, a place of refreshing, of life. And it says that you will go to that well and you will draw up life from it. But how often, brothers and sisters, do we draw life out of a different well? We think, oh, the, the pleasure of entertainment is a, is a well of life. I will go to that and I will escape and find joy. But we find the waters thick and sweet like a syrup. We might go to the wells of, of pleasures We might go to the wells of joy and other things. We might go to the wells of even self. We might look and say, I need need time away. I need some me time. I need, I need, and you will diagnose your own plight. And yet it is the wells of salvation that offer refreshment and joy. The wells of salvation are clear water for your benefit. They are given that you might reliably go time and time and time again to that well and draw up out of it the joy which is promised. Because though it is work to draw joy out of this well, what is promised with that labor is pure and lasting joy and refreshment. Notice again the will language. You will draw water from the wells and you will say, give thanks to the Lord and it will be with joy. Brothers and sisters, how do we labor to draw joy out of this well? How do we labor 
to put this well before our lives and the lives of our family and our children so that day after day in the perplexities of life and the struggles of life, we may return again and again to that well and draw up the joy of salvation. Well, you can look around. There are the testimony of many here who have done this. Some of you are in a habit of studying the word with your children in the evening. Some reading psalms throughout the day. Some of you have habits of of bedtime singing. Some of you have habits and patterns of encouraging one another with words in the morning. Speak with your brothers and sisters. Ask them, brother, how do you go to the well of salvation and draw this up for you and your family? We draw this up by going perhaps to the Word and finding, digging, searching, scouring for that place that we need for our souls. Do you struggle with anger? Bring your heart to those passages which say that anger and retaliation belong to the Lord. And then bring your heart to those passages which give you relief in the gospel of your salvation. Know that you are guilty before God and yet give thanks that the law of God is good and he has redeemed you. Do you struggle in the morning with depression or just fatigue? Do you struggle in the evening with perseverance and patience because it's been a long day? Draw up from the wells of salvation for you and for your children the hope that is there. Because in Christ is offered refreshment for your ill. You may go to the Psalms. The Psalms are full of the heart of one who has been redeemed and they are there that you might find in them a a word that meets you where you are and draws you up to a better plane. Search the Scriptures, brothers and sisters. Put before your eyes and on your lips and on your heart the words that is needed for the time when it is needed. But again, this is not written as an imperative. It is written as a promise. In that day, brothers and sisters, with the Lord, we will draw this water up again and again and again. And the new heavens and the new earth will be full of this refreshing of salvation. The perplexities and despairs and trials of this life, when we are provoked because of the remaining sin in our hearts, will be gone in that day because there is a river that makes glad the people of God. And you will give thanks. You will give thanks. It says, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing praise to the Lord for He has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant, of Zion, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. As we went up to the well of salvation in the first few chapters, now on the back end, we are leaving that well, as it were, with thankfulness. But thankfulness is a peculiar thing. Joy is a peculiar thing because joy is not merely something that can exist in the heart. Joy is not joy until it is expressed and it is given voice to. You cannot say, it makes me glad. You cannot feel, it makes me glad without saying, I am glad. 
You cannot truly feel that I am saved without saying the Lord has saved me. Your spouse or your child does not feel your affection until you say, I love you. But likewise, your affection is not even there until you're able to give it expression. Until you're able to do something to bring that out. And so, likewise, as we leave the well of salvation, having reminded ourselves of the good news that is there, we come with the list of imperatives. <clears throat> the whole tone has changed. No longer are these promises in the same way, but these are commands. Give thanks, make known, proclaim, sing, let it be done, shout. All of these come to you as commands, brothers and sisters, to do these things, but they come from that well. They come from that joy. And they are here given to you for your benefit. We find it hard and difficult sometimes to find our joy in the salvation. But these things are given that we might know how to find that joy. Do these things, brothers and sisters. Give thanks. After having gone to the Lord and said, Lord, forgive me. I was, I was frustrated with my, my little one. And having gone to your little one saying, forgive me. I dealt with you in anger. Then sing to them and say to them, great is the name of the Lord. Isn't it good that God forgives us? And let it be made known. In the speaking of it will be the reflection and the joy coming from your heart as well. Let joy be full. Let it be complete. Let the name of the Lord go forth. Do not quench the Holy Spirit after he has given you salvation, but let the speech come to your mouth that you may sing of the praise of the Lord. We who are afraid to make known the name of the Lord to our friends and to our co-workers, remember the Lord is your strength. Go to the well of salvation, and if there you find joy, let that joy be made known. Proclaim it to the people that you love. And brothers, as we come to the ancestors, as we come to the end of this, what is that, um, that one uh, truth that is set before our eyes? It says this, Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The Holy One of Israel is in your midst. In your midst. Does that language remind you of, of anything peculiarly? It starts in the garden, does it not? In the midst of the garden. On the mountaintop were the two trees. In the midst of the garden is where Adam fell. And yet, in the midst of God's people is where the Holy One now dwells. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. In the midst of them. In fact, even in the chapter just before this, and I, won't, I don't think I'm going to find it as quickly as I want to, but it says, it, it takes this term, the midst, and turns it into, into judgment. In the midst, I will consume them and and. Punishment will come to them, and yet, by the end, he's saying, in the midst, the Holy One of Israel is there. So, brothers and sisters, in that day has already come in Christ. We already have the new covenant promises that where two or three are gathered, there I am in your midst. And yet, in that day, the Holy One will be in your midst. That is, 
Jesus himself will be the center of life. The center of all that is done will be the God who has redeemed you, the God who has saved you. And so we sing and we praise and we give thanks for this, brothers and sisters. May this word be a blessing to your hearts. Though it was short, I pray that it was full. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the well of salvation. That place where we may return to again and again and again and find sweet refreshment for our souls. To find sure joy because of what you have done. Lord, we thank you for the commands here that tell us to speak of that joy, leaving that well, proclaiming it to one another. Is this not what we are here today doing, Lord? By your command, by your blessing, in your spirit, proclaiming to one another, putting a song in our heart, and speaking of the joy that is here. But not only this, Lord, you have set before us, before our eyes, that word which speaks of a better thing to come. In that day, Lord, we will give thanks with pure hearts. It will not be a drudgery, but with joy it will be drawn up. What a wonderful blessing to set our minds on, Lord. That the promise of God is not merely a new place or a better life, but a changed heart. One that gives thanks again and again and again to our God, to our Maker, the one who is holy in our midst. Lord, we are a people who have been led across in sandals, an unholy people, and yet you are a holy God in our midst. You are good, and we praise your name. Amen.